Now, just before James comes and he's going to preach and bring God's word to us, let me remind you of the series we are in and the passage that we are in in the section of Luke. I'm just going to read a couple verses of you from Luke chapter 6, uh, verses 47 and 48. And we're in a sermon that Jesus gives in Luke chapter 6. James is going to pick up on that in a moment. But here's the foundational verses. At the end of that sermon, Jesus says this, Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. Amen? James, who leads our student ministry here at Mount Hope, is coming to bring the word today. Would you welcome him today as he brings and opens up God's word? It was a false start, a false start on me. I'm a little rusty. Last time I stood up here was uh, December of 2019 uh, to preach to you. And in that message, it was the last Sunday of December uh, in the year. And I remember preaching a message about 2020 vision. That worked out really well. I, I, I did not have that vision. Uh, but either way, I'm excited and honored to just be with you this morning, open the word, uh, and get into Luke. And my goal this morning really is simple. Uh, my goal this morning is that you would grow in your understanding of who Jesus is, that you would know him uh, in a deeper way leaving here. And if you don't know Jesus, uh, that you would want to get to know him after you hear his words and that you would uh, go and live a life of unshakable joy. So Pastor Rick mentioned the series that we're in, Building an Unshakable Life. And doesn't doesn't everybody want an unshakable life? Like, I want an unshakable life, don't you? Everyone wants an unshakable life, but how do we do it? And so Jesus says in Luke chapter 6 to come to him, to hear his words, and to do what he says. And that's what we are looking into this morning. So we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 6, verse 20. Luke chapter 6, verse 20. Luke is the third, Matthew, Mark, Luke, if you're in the New Testament. It's right there at the beginning. And Jesus here is speaking to his disciples. That's, in, that's important to note. He's, he's speaking to his disciples. Crowds have gathered. Many people want to hear from him. Uh, but he turns and speaks directly to his disciples, who, by the way, have just left everything to follow Jesus. They, are, they left their boats on the shore, their livelihoods, their families. Everything has been left, and they are following Jesus. And he looks at his disciples in Luke chapter 6, verse 20 says, And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man, rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. And then there's four corresponding woes to the four blessings. 
But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. And woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Can we just pray before we get into the word this morning? Lord, we need your eyes to see. We so often think that we know the way, but as we're reminded this morning, you are the way. You, you know it better because you are the way. And so would you just keep our hearts soft to your word this morning to just convict us if we need convicting, to teach us, to encourage us if we need encouragement this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to take you back to 2017. I had just come on staff at Mount Hope as the youth pastor, and I was leading my first winter retreat. And so we meet here at the church, and the kids pile in the van, and there's a buzz of excitement. We drive up to Camp Berea in Hebron, New Hampshire. By the way, it is negative 13 degrees outside when we arrive, so that's like that's not cold, that's, that's cold, cold. That's colder than cold. And so we, we, are, we get in the van like a mature, good leader. I say, guys, you stay in the van. I'm gonna go, uh, you stay warm. I'm gonna go get everything set up for us, get our cabins and all that. And I walk in and I meet with uh, the young lady in there and she says, Mr. Gerard, here are your uh, cabins, the ladies, you're gonna be in, your ladies will be in Compass and uh, your guys will be in Agate. And I said, okay, sounds good. I walk out, all right, guys. Here we go, ladies, here's your cabin. And they're off with their leader to find the cabin. All right, guys, pile out. We're gonna, I'm leading the charge. We're going to find our cabin. They pile out, no jackets. Some of them, like, do middle schoolers own jackets? That's, that's a real question. And for you parents of middle schoolers, you know. Like, do they own one? That's, a, that's the question. And so we start walking up to the, the cabin that's up on the hill. And there's many that are up there. And I'm passing and I'm seeing you know, Mason, some other cabin name, all these different cabins. I'm looking for agate. At this point, about minutes are, are elapsing and kids are cold and it's freezing. And I'm starting to think panic is actually setting in in my heart to be, I cannot find this cabin. And we are out in the freezing cold. What are we going to do? That, like this youth pastor thing was great. I made it three months and now I'm getting fired because someone's getting hypothermia. This is awesome. And so we're looking and looking. Kids are starting to go into other people's cabins just to be warm. And I'm like, this is an absolute disaster. Finally, one of the kids, I hear him say, I found it. We've been outside now for 20 minutes looking for our cabin. And I hear a kid say, I found it. We run to him. And on the cabin name, you can put it up there. Tell me if you, I read it as agate, uh, agate. I don't know what I read it as, but I had seen that many times as we looked for the cabins. And this was what I was looking for, agate. And what the, what the woman had said and what I was looking for were two very different things. She said one thing and I heard it, but I was looking for something else. And many times when we come to scripture, Jesus says things one way and we look for it in other ways. And so as I read this and I hear how Jesus talks about blessing, I'm like, that's not blessing. Blessing is like, I'm golfing. It's a beautiful day out. The birds are singing. I'm on the first tee box. Life is good. I'm hashtag blessed. 
life is good. And within 10 seconds, I swing, shank it directly into the woods, and I am hashtag cursed. Who here is like, hey, I lost my job. I am so blessed. Yes, praise God. I don't know where my next meal is coming from. I'm so blessed. Jesus' view of blessing and our view of blessing are very different. And when we come to this, if we're saying that we're building our lives on the unshakable foundation of Jesus, we have to get to know what he says about blessing and what he means about it. What could he mean? He seems to point to a blessing that transcends our circumstances. And as we talk about blessing, another word would be joy. Wouldn't it be great if you had joy in every situation that transcended your circumstances, that no matter what was happening in your life, you had joy? And this is what Jesus seems to be pointing to here. And so I, I, I want to get into this. I want to I find out what does Jesus mean? That we could find unshakable joy in our circumstances, no matter what happens. And so my first point this morning from this text, and what we often do, is that everyone wants unshakable joy, but we often look for it in shakable things. Like, as I say, don't you want to be joyful? I see smiles. You guys want to be joyful. I see joy on your face. We all desire to be joyful. But oftentimes we're looking for an unshakable joy, but we look for it in shakable things. Money, status, approval of people. What is, it, what is it for you? I know what it is for me that I can oftentimes find myself looking for joy in, that you're the best parent in the world, that people look at your parenting and say, oh, I want to be like them. What, what, are we looking, what are we looking for unshakable joy in? But we often look for it in shakable things. Instagram followers and likes. We, we have students in our youth group that will post a picture, and then if it doesn't get enough likes in the first 10 minutes, they will remove it from the internet because that has not they didn't get the approval that they were looking for. And so they're, they're crushed by it. Their joy is taken because of it. And, and we do the same thing as adults though. Like we just graduate to bigger things because we're, we're, we need the approval of people oftentimes and we're crushed by it when we don't receive it. But it's a shakable thing. And so what shakable things are we looking for unshakable joy in? And it's no wonder that anxiety and suicide and depression and these things are at an all-time high because the things we look for worth and satisfaction in were never created to carry the, work, the, the weight of unshakable joy. And Jesus points to us some, something here that seems so different. And we long for satisfaction. We long for approval. But Jesus says, blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry. Blessed are you who weep. Blessed are you when people hate you. I don't think that Jesus is saying that you, in order to be blessed, you must be poor, hungry, weeping, and hated. I don't think that's what he's saying because he just told us to leap for joy. 
I don't think that he is telling us that we must do that. He's saying when we experience these things, you still have joy. Why? Because you are my disciple. Because yours is the kingdom. Your joy was not in those things to begin with. And so your blessed has nothing to do with whether or not you feel blessed. It is that if you are in Christ this morning, I'm here to remind you that you are blessed. That is where your blessing lies, is that you are in Christ and that your reward will be great in heaven. You will be rewarded. You just haven't cashed in on it yet. It's coming. It's coming. And he's saying, although you may find yourself like this in these situations, yours is the kingdom. And yours is the kingdom, not will be. It is. And so we live in that reality. There is a promise for the problem. Of Jesus, and that's what we rest in, the promise of Jesus that yours is the kingdom. And I look at what Jesus says to the woman at the well in John chapter 4, verse 13. He says that everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But if you drink from the living water, you will not thirst again. You will be satisfied. You will find unshakable joy. So what shakable thing do you look for unshakable joy in? Then we get to the woes. And Jesus says, woe to you who are rich. I, I don't want to skip past this. This woe word is not like, whoa, man. This is woe. Deep suffering is what it means. The same woe word that's used to describe Judas in Matthew chapter 26, who would later go on to betray him. Woe to you. But woe to you who are rich. You've received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did the false prophets. Is Jesus saying that everyone who is rich is under a woe? Like that if you laugh at a joke, or you have money, or you enjoy a nice steak, and you are full and satisfied, are you under a woe? Well, I, he told us to leap for joy. I don't think he's condemning laughter. Nor is he contradicting himself. What the difference is, is I want you to notice, on the account of the Son of Man in the first part. And so that when you are hated and excluded and reviled and spurned, on the account of the Son of Man... So the blessings are rooted in a reward and a life that is devoted to the Son of Man. And so the woes are pronounced on those who do things outside of a life devoted to the Son of Man. And so if you are rich and your riches don't come from or get used in full devotion to Christ, then woe to you. If you're full and your fullness is not flowing from a devotion and energy of life committed to living for Christ, then woe to you. Laughter that is not found in a joy in Christ, but is somewhere else, it is anchored outside of Christ, then woe to you. These woes point to a life that is full of these things and empty of Christ, ultimately. And so a life well spoken of because you have avoided living for the Son of Man and the persecution that it may bring, 
Jesus is saying, woe to you. Our goal as Christians is not praise from man. That's not our goal. Our goal is to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And so we don't live for the approval of man. And if you live a life for Jesus, it's not going to be popular. Like if you live in full devotion to Christ, it will not be popular to people. They will not love you for it. And you might be persecuted for it. And this was really convicting to me as I thought about it this week of like, what am I, how am I persecuted for my faith? I was thinking about that and, and, and it was convicting for me that we should be experiencing some sort of persecution if we are a follower of Jesus. Because we're living for the next life. We don't live for this one. So Jesus said in in John chapter 16, verse 33, that that in this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And I thought, what tribulation am I experiencing? I'm pretty comfortable. Like my life is good. And so Jesus promises us not that we won't have suffering in this life. That's not what he promises. He promises he'll be with us in the suffering that even as we suffer, he is with us. And that through the suffering, he is producing something in us for our good. And so as we suffer for his name, as we are persecuted for his name, is that where we find our unshakable joy? Is that where we find it? How do I know if I'm blessed or if I'm in the woe category? How do I know? And I, and I was just thinking, what would it take for my life to crumble? What would it take for your life to crumble? What if you lost it, it would fall apart? Your life would fall apart. If you didn't have it, you would lose your joy. Everything that you have accomplished is gone. Would you still have joy? Would you lose your joy? Because if you lose your joy when those things lose, then what was your joy really in? Was it an unshakable joy that is rooted in the promise of Christ and who he is, that you are his and he is yours? Or is it rooted in something else? What is it that if you lost it, your life would crumble. Jesus seems to point to such an unshakable joy. Paul says in Philippians chapter four, verse 11, and he talks about that his, he has found the secret to contentment, that in whatever situation he is, that he has learned to be content. And so what he's saying is I've unlocked the secret. That, that my emotions are not tied to my situation anymore. That they can be separate. That every time I experience a, a bad thing in my life, it doesn't need to take my joy. Because my joy is found in the unshakable, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he is in prison when he writes this. Unshakable joy requires 
and unshakable foundation. And this is not just like a stay positive mentality, like ignore the problems. Life is good, block it out, life is good. No, it's looking at the world and realizing the world is not the way that it should be. Like things are messed up, things are wrong. It's looking at that, recognizing that for what it is, and then realizing, like Paul says in Philippians chapter three, verse 20, that my citizenship is in heaven. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the reality that we live in, church. That is the reality that our citizenship, we, we're not home yet. And so when things don't look the way that it should, when suffering happens, when things don't go the way we thought they would, and real suffering hits us, we are not shaken by that because this world is not our home and our citizenship is in heaven. Where is unshakable joy? Where is it? How can I have it? Psalm 16, verse 11 says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. When the cares of life weigh heavy on you and you stand firm on this promise, you stand firm in the presence of God, the things that used to steal your joy from you, they cannot take your joy. The things that used to, because your joy is not in them. The, the mundane things that you used to not be able to find joy in, you can find joy now because you have it already. You're not looking for it in those things. You are, you have unshakable joy. This is where it lies, that it's built on the unshakable foundation of Christ. 1 Corinthians 9, chapter 25. If, if you forget everything I said up here, just remember the word of God. We'll just, we'll hit verses. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. It's not passing away. Your reward is there for you. And that is what we live in the reality of. That in Christ, we are rewarded. And so what does your successful annual review look like? When you sit down at the end of the year and you kind of get your year together and you're getting ready for the next year, what are you analyzing? Is it how much money that you made? Is it how much that you accomplished And we can find joy in those things, but if we are finding ultimate joy in those things, if they were all taken away and our joy was lost. So what does an annual review look like for you and for your family? Are we looking back on the faithfulness of God and his promises to say he hasn't let me down and he won't? That no matter what came this year, really, really, really hard times, no matter what came, I knew that Christ was with me and he has not left me alone. That's something the world cannot take from us. That's a joy that doesn't pass away. That's not a shakable thing. And so we often look for unshakable joy in shakable things. 
our foundation, if it's an unshakable one, that's how we get unshakable joy, by building on an unshakable foundation. When uh, my wife and I were dating, we uh, went to Dave and Buster's on our second date. Dave and Buster's is great, great place. Uh, well, unless you don't like germs, kind of a germy place. I think that place had COVID back in 2005. But uh, so we went there and we had a great night and we're, we're playing the different games. And I found this one game that I was like really crushing. The tickets are, the tickets are racking up. And it's just spitting out the day. Um, this is, uh, I'm on it. We're getting competitive. Now we're starting to like, oh, I'll beat you. You beat me, this kind of thing. And, and I get all these tickets, hundreds, possibly thousands. I might be exaggerating, but I get all these tickets and I'm feeling good. I'm feeling really good. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to this gift shop and I'm getting myself an iPod, AirPod, uh, AirPods, uh, a, an Apple iPad, possibly a small motorcycle, like a, a, a moped. Like, I got a lot of tickets here, and I'm ready to cash these in. Hashtag blessed. And I go to the, the, uh, the, the ticket exchange, the, the gift shop, and I turn all my tickets in. I start to look at what I can get. And do you know what I walk away with that day? All my tickets all the energy and money and effort that I spent, I walk away with a little football. And not even like a, a throwable football. It's, it's this big. Like it's not even like a usable football. I have it in my office. I forgot to bring it out with me. All my time, my energy, and my effort that I put into this to walk away with what? And the fear for us as, as, as believers is that we would be deceived, that, that we could put our time, our effort, our energy, our focus into things that at the end of the day, in light of eternity, in light of that we are citizens of heaven and not of this world, that it would add up to nothing. And so what were we looking for joy in the whole time? And not just that, but on the other end of that, Jesus would say, woe to you. It's not just a, you miss out on the blessing, you get some sort of lesser blessing. Jesus would say, it's, it's one or the other. And so what are we finding our joy in, church? What are we looking for unshakable joy in? If you are finding your ultimate joy and reward in this life that is passing away. If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ here this morning and you are poor and you are hungry and you're tired and you're weeping and, and you feel persecuted, I want to let you know this morning, I hope you are encouraged this morning that Jesus says, blessed are you. Blessed are you. Yours is the kingdom. And so a life of unshakable joy is lived for an everlasting reward. A life of unshakable joy is lived for an everlasting reward that doesn't perish. It doesn't go away. If this morning we are putting our hope in that, I pray that we would just be convicted of that this morning, that God would turn our hearts 
that he would realign our perspective this morning on who he is, on his faithfulness to his promises, as we sang about earlier, that he's faithful. So that no matter what pops up in our lives, the storms of life, we have unshakable joy because it's in an everlasting reward that doesn't go away. And that if you're here today and you realize, maybe I've added Jesus to my life. I haven't built on him. I've, I've, I've sprinkled him in somewhere. I, maybe I've created my own version of Jesus instead of the Jesus of the Bible. I have different definitions to things. That This morning, that would be God just doing the surgery on our hearts. That you would realize that this is where true hope lies in the word of God. This is where true hope lies. And, and the world will try to offer it. And it will fall short every time because it's temporary. And so a life of unshakable joy is lived for an everlasting reward. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, we oftentimes chase so many different things that we think will bring happiness and, and, and bring pleasure. And it does for a little while, but it leaves us wanting more. And so this morning, God, would you please direct us to the truth of your word? that you have such a different definition of blessing, but it's the better one. God, help us to see you and to know you. That our lives, that our church would be known as a church that is built on the unshakable foundation of Jesus Christ. That that would be something that is true of all of us. God, if there's someone here this morning that you are working on their hearts and convicting, would you use this to bring them unshakable joy, that they might receive your joy into their hearts and into their lives today? I thank you for all that you're going to do here, all that you've done in our hearts. Thank you for just the encouragement this morning of who we are in you. And we just give this all to you. Everything that I've said, if there's anything that's not consistent with who you are, would it just literally fall away immediately and not be remembered? But would your word sink deep into our hearts? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.